1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Hey guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. Please enjoy this classic clip which is available in full at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. In the timeline we just we just jumped through from Red Jedi to Phantom Menace. Yes. But in the middle of that there was another little Star Wars film that went for about ten
1: minutes. Oh that one, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think which what, what the, the Ewok adventure <laughs> uh, troops
0: which yeah. I, I hope everyone listening has seen it it is a, a Star Wars parody of the cops TV series and I remember almost like seeing it back I don't know if it was the late 90s when I saw it or the early 2000s but the first time I saw it and I think it was at a convention in Australia but it was just like seeing like this like it was because of the internet wasn't as developed it was just like seeing this amazing secret tape yeah and it it was just such a privilege and such a like a like a a, I don't know like a forbidden thrill to see this this fan film because we weren't used to fan films yeah like the fact that some guys went out to the desert to make this this funny sketch or film like, it blew my mind uh, tell us how the the genesis of the idea uh for the film came along and the, is that my
1: coffee that is your coffee okay. there's sugar there i nice. didn't bring you cream That's right. uh, but the genesis of it goes back quite a ways and it takes a few turns it started with my friends uh mark altman robert meyer burnett uh, steve milching and uh, 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 David Hardgrove. A lot of these my my friends I, I hung out with. We were all uh, you know uh, sci-fi fans, and Mark had a, a sci-fi magazine called Sci-Fi Universe, and it's since the publication has since uh, uh, has since ceased. Uh, every magazine ever mentioned on this podcast, yeah. has since ceased. <laughs> but. Uh, uh Steve Milching, who is now uh, the uh, the head writer on Rebels, uh, was talking with Mark about doing a comic book strip in Sci-Fi Universe that would parody the Dark Horse comic book uh, Tales of a Bounty Hunter. Mm-hmm. And the title was going to be Tales of a Death Star Scanning Crew. And the story was simply going to follow s- these stormtroopers as they got up in the morning... Took a shower, shaved, got dressed, ate their breakfast, walked down to the Millennium Falcon, and got blown up. And it never, it never came to pass. And we had joked about it. And because a lot of us worked in the industry, still work in the industry, but at that time, uh, some of us were working for Fox, myself included. We got advanced screenings to The Phantom Menace. Oh, I'm ha- sorry, not The Phantom Menace. Uh, advanced screenings to Star Wars Special Edition. I have
0: to engage the audience's uh, curiosity. What were you doing at Fox?
1: Uh, my very first professional job at Fox was as a character designer and animator. Uh, my f- final thesis film at Long Beach State University, was an animated project. One of my friends showed that to an executive at Fox, and that got me a job working for Fox Kids. Uh, Steve Melching uh, also got a job working on X-Men. That was one of his first shows there. Uh-huh. So uh, we were all coming out of the advanced screening of the special edition uh, of uh, Star Wars from the, D- the Daryl Zanuck Theater, and the Tales of the Bounty Hunter uh, comic strip once again came up. And as we were all walking to our cars uh, on on the lot, we started talking, and I I do not remember who it was, but somebody threw out the line, you know it would be hilarious, again, because we worked for Fox, and Cops was a Fox TV show, Uh, they said, it would be funny if you crossed Cops with Star Wars, and everybody busted up, and then there was silence, and I said is is anyone going to take that <laughs> And everybody said no i said well do, does anybody mind if i if i run with that and i didn't know what i was going to do i'm sure they had no idea but uh rather than going to my car i went back to my office and i uh across the hall was the uh the video library where all of our shows are housed and i went into the library and i pulled out five episodes of cops and i watched those and then i spent the rest of the night crafting the script that night that night yeah no i just i just said i I gotta write this that's incredible i just to uh go off on
0: a tangent as someone that does like you know works in the digital realm
1: and does effects is that the right i work with in digital effects, but I am not by any means a digital effects artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, my job here at Synaptic is semi-officially titled Director of Special Projects. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I, I craft presentations for, uh, for shows that we are bidding or shows that we have developed in-house and take out. So I will put together what is called a pitch package that tells you about the show, and then I will also put together a video presentation. Okay. So what were you, what, so what were you doing at Fox? Sorry, I was I was, uh, I was uh, animating. Uh, oh, I was actually, okay. I was des- I was a character designer. In
0: what sort of animation? Uh, children's television. So, what sort of animation, like two D, two D like animation. cartoons, sort yes, of cartoons. Yes. Okay, cool. So, as someone, I'll rephrase the question: as sure. someone that was. You know, in animation mm-hmm. at the time. Yes. How did you find the special edition effects and, and Jabba? Like, like you know, it's it's sort of to look back now. You know, some of it looks weird, but I I, I saw the end of the Mummy the other night. It was on a TV in, in a in a restaurant, and it was just like, like it reeked of like the new millennium sort of thing. How, how did you how, like walking out? Someone that was in the industry.
1: How did you find the animation? Uh, the animation itself uh, again, we you have to you have to you have to take it in its time and place. We have we had nothing to compare it against at that time. again, this was new. yeah and so and also uh, I'm old enough to have seen a progression of of effects that go from Harryhausen stop motion animation all the way up to today where the, the effects are virtually invisible. And so I allow a certain amount of suspension of disbelief and leeway when it comes to new technologies. And if the story is engaging enough, the effects, no matter their quality, should, should not tear you away or take you out of the piece. That having been said, uh, I found that the Jabba inclusion, while it was nice to see it, uh, I it it was it was jarring, forgivable, but but jarring. And for me, I think the overall experience of once again seeing Star Wars on the big screen at the Twentieth Century Fox lot inside the Daryl Zanuck Theater with my friends more than compensated you mm-hmm. know it was it it was a it's a wonderful experience and it was great to see it up on the big screen and it was once again great to step into man's chinese theater and and watch it you know and and that hallowed uh, screening uh, uh, room yeah well
0: being from australia i had very limited chances to go see a star wars thing a, a star wars film at man's but towards the end of the force awakens run yes. uh, last year i was here and oh, i was good. like I have to, I have to hit up Mans yeah. from like Force it? Awakens. Oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was great. I, 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 feel like the theater has developed a little bit since
1: I showed Star Wars. You know, they, uh, the, uh, the TCL, which is now the company that owns Mans Chinese Theater, recently underdid a complete restoration of that theater. They lowered the floor to allow for rake seating. I believe they kept the exact same amount of seats. And it's almost as as though you are you're you are seeing it in the exact same venue. The sound is obviously much better. Mm. The seating arrangements are 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 great, and the picture quality is is again outstanding yeah. whereas it used to be an echo chamber, but uh, very, very little has changed. About man's as far as its look or the experience you get stepping into that theater, mm. and if you if you want to see what man's looked like prior to its present incarnation, you you can pick from a, a bevy of films: the the Aviator, Singing in the Rain. Because I remember back when the special Origin came out, I
0: just I used to watch back in Australia Entertainment Tonight every day because they'd have little. Clips and they'd show
1: the back when they actually covered entertainment,
0: yeah, it was amazing. And and just seeing like I just remember seeing like the wire framed like Jubak and and Jabber, and it was yeah. like back then it was just like this is incredible, like mm. it, it it just seems like that they were building a digital Jabber, like back then it was sure mind blowing, but um, and and I think there was also we've uh, apart from that we forgave a lot because it was new star wars stuff like just to see that the new that scene yeah finally it was just like
1: and again you have to to keep in mind what what the zeitgeist was we didn't think we were going to get any new star wars mm. this was 1997 the announcement for episode 1 was still a year away yeah well the end of return of the jedi i would have been
0: I don't know, like four or something. But I remember going to see it. Mm-hmm. But I also remember it being the first time, it's the first time I can remember disappointment or like that that was the last one. Oh. <laughs> like I remember walking out and, and I was so happy that my heroes won and the Ewoks were partying. But I actually remember walking out into the car park and going, well, that's it for that. Mm-hmm. Like it was my first sort of, I don't know, like
1: doom thought or something. <laughs> the first time the world crushed your soul. And
0: it was <laughs> the same feeling when I drove out of the car park for Revenge of the Sith. I'm like, well, that's it. That's it for that. Yeah, No more of that. Yeah. Loved it. It's done. There's nothing left for me on this planet. No. What
1: are you going to do after episode nine?
0: <laughs> I'm going to wait for episode 10, yeah, which yeah. will probably be in six months time after that. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm set. I think it's it's more, my biggest worry now is timing my death with ah. a release of a film. That's my new concern, which is, is not so bad. So you went back to work yes. and you wrote the script mm-hmm. all that night. I'm wondering, was it, like in my mind, it seems like a revolutionary idea to make this fan film. Was there any sort of fan films from other genres that you were taking inspiration from or
1: no basically the climate of, of, of Los Angeles and Hollywood at that time uh, you know everybody's always looking for what what's the next trend what's the new thing what's hot when I was uh, in high school uh, the way to break into the industry was to go to a film school like USC or NYU or UCLA and so that became my goal says so well I'm 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 going to a film school and I got into a film school when I when I got into a film school then the trend was independent filmmakers and Sundance and doing your own independent film like Kevin Smith or Robert Rodriguez or Quentin Tarantino and so then you had the the the, the paradigm shift and every every kid coming out of film school is now trying to get into Sundance and I made an independent film with with my friends in 1995 which did not go on to any great success but we we did it and right around that time 96 late 96 early 97 the trend then became gray market videos uh, these were little things that were floating around Hollywood the people had produced uh leading that charge was uh uh, trey parker and matt stone with their first south park Mm -hmm. actually their second south park video that had been uh copied by george clooney and had gotten around hollywood because he had made like 300 copies and so everybody was into you know getting this little item that nobody could get george clooney the original pirate bay yes and (laughs) And so that's where, that's where the climate was when I was thinking about troops, was we saw South Park. Obviously, we were in the industry. We had access to this, this little tape of animated kids with foul mouths. And, and I'm sure, as has happened with a lot of people, they'll look at something and say, well, I can do that. And that was the case. It was like, well, I could, I could do something like that. I can make a video and try to get it around town, and that was that was where my thinking was. Um, it, i I have limitations as anybody does when they're doing a film, and mine was was budget mm. for for an effects piece, and it's like, well, how do you get around those? And I simply looked, I said, Well, where do I live, and what do I have access to i I don't have money to build sets, so it has to be location. Mm. I I can't I can't do a big Hollywood setup, so it has to be documentary style. So that dictated the format mm. and I said, "Well, I, okay, cops."
0: And you do live up the road from Tatooine?
1: Yeah, and yeah, it, it, it's so that was the thing. I said, "I'm I'm near a desert. I've got hundreds and hundreds of miles of desert all around me. I can do Tatooine." And then how now now that we have set the location because of my budget constraints and it's tattooing what stories can I tell that are true to both Star Wars and to the format that I'm now parodying, which is cops. And it would the most common stories I saw in those five tapes of watching cops was Grand Theft Auto and spousal abuse. And so I simply applied those two to the Star Wars universe. And that's how I developed that script. And because at that point I had been working in the industry professionally for seven years, I had developed a lot of connections and, and friendships. And I knew little people from the time that I had worked at Universal Studios uh, they were characters that walked around the park, and mm-hmm. I, so I said, I, "I have I have two little people that can play Jawas. I have many friends in the special effects industry. My best friend is a special effects artist, uh, who at the time, Sean Jordan, was the supervisor of special effects on Babylon Five. Oh, wow! So it, it, it we did all of these, you know, at home in our spare time, but everybody. To a man working on that was an industry professional. And so it was kind of a misnomer that it was a bunch of amateurs. It was actually a bunch of professionals making uh, an amateur film. Yeah.
0: To hear the full episode, along with hundreds of hours of bonus content, I would invite you to check out the Steel Wars Patreon page at Patreon.com. Forward slash Steel Wars for just three dollars a month, you get a dedicated RSS feed that easily pastes into any podcast app you use, sending the complete archives of Steel Wars episodes along with bonus Patreon exclusives like movie commentaries, Q and A's. And shows like the Making Steel Wars show, which I make exclusively for Patreon members with Jason Ward of MakingStarWars.net, where we try to find the news behind the news. Plus, you'll get the bonus segments from the call-in shows, which sometimes can be over an hour.